Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have Kathy Kinghorn with me today, who is an amazing therapist and a personal friend. And she's also the program director and co-owner of Therapy Utah. You can find their website at therapyutah.org. She made a major career change when she went from working in the business world to working as a clinical therapist. She started working in the world of counseling back in 2000 when she began volunteering as a rape crisis counselor. As she worked toward her degree, Kathy found that her heart was in working with individuals struggling with depression, anxiety, addictions, and trauma. And after extensive training, she became a certified sexual addiction therapist and a certified multiple addiction therapist. Because of her depth of knowledge in the arena of sexual addiction and betrayal trauma, she is qualified to supervise those who are seeking the certification, and I'm really excited to talk to her today. Kathy is here today to talk about what questions can help empower you to healing and what questions to avoid because they're just not going to help you. So welcome, Kathy. Thanks. What got you started thinking about this topic of questions and which ones are helpful and which ones aren't helpful? In the populations I work with, either individuals struggling with betrayal trauma or the addict, there's questions that can weigh you down, especially when you're new to the process. And then there's questions that help give you the right focus and the right direction. So let's start with some of the unhelpful questions. With your clients, which questions do you see harm them or keep them stuck? So, and I'm talking about really just early in recovery. So let's take it from maybe zero to six months, even the first year sometimes, depending on the individual's trauma background and a lot of other factors. When the spouse finds out, it's usually they're being blindsided. They think their life is one way. They find out this information that completely shocks them. And so the worst question really are questions that start with why, you know, why is he doing this to me? Why didn't I see it? Why can't he stop? Really any question that starts with why is going to weigh you down and put you in places that your system isn't yet ready to handle. When we're exploring the why, it's just too deep when a person's in shock. And when you initially find out you're in shock. And for the addict as well, this is one shared place for the addict and the betrayed spouse. The way I like to say it is, if you want to get to the why of your addiction, you're going to have to get farther from the want of your addiction. Well, early in recovery, an addict is still wanting his addiction. And so he's not going to uncover the why. And then you've got the betrayed spouse who her whole system's in shock. She's just not in a place to go to where why takes us mentally. Would you say that why questions can be more harmful? For example, if she says, you know, why is he treating me this way? And the true answer might be that he completely has no capacity for empathy right now. That's just too painful for her to discover, too damaging. Or the reason why questions don't work is because there's no answer at all. Well, there will be an answer. That's the good news. As time goes on, and we're talking a year plus, some of the why can come out. But early on, the why questions for the betrayed spouse, it feels like a personal attack. 
why questions are not going to be helpful to you at the beginning of your healing from betrayal trauma. And I have found too that why questions don't necessarily help when it comes to the abuse. You might say, okay, why is he acting this way? And I've found that when women focus on why he's acting that way, then they end up going down rabbit holes. Like he's acting this way because maybe he has a personality disorder, or maybe he's a psychopath, or maybe he's a narcissist, or maybe it's because he was abused as a child. But none of those things takes them to boundaries. Because for the abuse victim, the reason why doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the abusive behavior and how to be safe from the abusive behavior. So I think that's definitely a reason to avoid asking those why questions and focusing on safety. Absolutely. I truly believe, Anne, that no amount of trauma in your childhood excuses you from responsibility as an adult. So there may be a very well-known why that you feel that, hey, there is a connection, does not excuse you from responsibility. No. And I've also known so many people in my life who have a reason why, but they're wonderful, awesome people who don't make sad choices. Just because this thing happened to you doesn't mean you have an excuse when we have so many people who've gone through so much and they're wonderful people who are not abusive, right? Right. In fact, today I received a phone call from my son. He was on the phone with my son-in-law in in Seattle. And in their conversation, my son-in-law in in Seattle was sideswiped by a car on the freeway. He's fine. But the car took off. It took off. And so right now, as it stands, they haven't caught the guy. They don't know what's going on. They haven't found out who sideswiped him. So we could say, well, why did he leave the scene of a crime? And the reason could be he was afraid. Maybe he didn't have insurance or maybe he was drinking. Well, the why he did it doesn't dismiss the fact that a crime was committed. Exactly. And also, sometimes people are drinking, right? Or sometimes they're afraid. Or sometimes they don't have insurance. And guess what? They stay there. And they face the consequence of their actions. So it's not a reason to run away. It's just that in that particular instance, that's the thing that person chose. Okay, so any other types of questions that are not helpful for women starting their healing journey? Generally speaking, when a wife is asking the why question, she's still in the frame of mind that if she had done something differently, this would not have happened. The whys will come up. And those are the ones that will circle around in your head a lot to just take a moment and think, what's going on for me right now that I'm going back to the why? Because sometimes unhealthy behaviors feel safe. A huge part of recovery is uh, the wife and the husband are both going to do things that don't feel safe, but are safe. For example, throwing down a boundary is the safest thing a wife can do, but it's going to feel really unsafe. Or they're going to do things that feel safe that aren't safe. For example, I don't want to hurt his feelings, so I'm not going to throw down a boundary. That can feel safe, but it's unsafe. And so oftentimes the why puts us back in those unhealthy patterns. That makes sense. 
I've been through that myself, asking those types of questions. Let's talk about questions that are helpful as women are starting their healing journey, as they're just finding out. What types of questions have you seen empower victims to heal? Questions that start with either how or what or both. So let me give you an example. So you see a Cosmopolitan magazine, one of the titles to the articles is really triggering for you. If you can really try to shift over to, all right, how am I going to get back on track? And what do I need to do to get back on track? Well, how I'm going to get back on track, I'm going to pull the grocery list up on my phone and I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to read through every grocery item that I need just to ground my mind back into the present because a trigger is usually going to take you to the future or the past and we want to take that moment using a question of how and what to bring you into the present. What are you going to do? You're going to look at your grocery list. How am I going to do it? I'm going to pull it up on my phone and as you really try to cement that practice in of how and what You'll find over time, and this is really dependent on each individual, but over time, as a trigger comes up, your mind will eventually shift automatically to the how and what. Early in recovery, it's like driving a manual shift car. Your brain has to manually shift over to, okay, how and what. At some undetermined point, you'll get triggered. And you'll find that your mind, if you've established this pattern, will go right over to the how and what. And you'll find yourself in many situations where automatically your brain says, how am I going to move gently away from this trigger? What do I need to do right now? These how and what questions really work across the board. For example, Valentine's Day, if you dwell on that date. Maybe in the past it meant something and now it means something entirely different. As it comes up, you think, all right, how am I going to get through that day? And what do I need to do to get through that day? And very specific action items will likely come up. You might need to volunteer at your kid's school so the day becomes about your children and their craft activity rather than relationship activity. So how are you going to do that? You're going to call ahead. What are you going to do? You're going to put that on your calendar and make sure you attend. I love that. In an abuse situation, it helps a ton. So let's say you have an abuse episode, right? How am I feeling? I'm feeling unsafe. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling whatever. And what am I going to do to feel safe again? Right? I can set a boundary. I can do this. I can do that. I think that asking those how and what questions helps women focus on reality, what is happening, and then what they can do to get to safety. Absolutely. In fact, and think about that scenario that you just shared when you're feeling unsafe. If you ask the question, why is this happening to me? How heavy does that feel? How chaotic does that feel? Rather than when you ask the questions, wow, I'm feeling scared right now. How am I going to move away from that feeling? And what do I need to do? You can almost feel the energy that comes from those questions. And it's okay if you don't right now feel that energy. But over time, what I find is that the questions themselves 
really can give you some energy and traction and moving into a safer place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to use a specific example. So let's say you ask him, hey, will you take out the garbage? And he says, I would take out the garbage if you didn't ask me to. And you're like, whoa, he's very defensive. Now, if you thought in that moment, why is he treating me this way? Why is this happening? A possible answer could be because I shouldn't have asked him or because I should have done this or because I should have done that. And it can lead to self-blame and it can lead to further victimization. But if you say, how do I feel? I feel unsafe. And what can I do? Then it can lead you to empowerment and safety. Okay. Are there any other examples or any other types of questions that you would recommend that women use? When questions are being asked also on the husband's side, oftentimes early in recovery, if a why question is showing up, he's using that and he's in a space of being a victim. If he's using how and what, it's a much more healthy place as a general rule for him as well. So let me give you an example. If he says, I don't know why I get so angry with your tone that you're using with me, but I just want to be honest with you. I'm really angry. I get really upset when you use that tone. And so when you hear him say the why, you can see that it could be attached to being in a victim mode. Whereas if you had the same scenario and he's saying, listen, I need to work on how to manage my emotions, no matter how the message is being given to me. And what I need to do is I need to take some deep breaths or call my sponsor or any of my other coping skills before we have a conversation that's emotional so that I'm in a space where I can hear you. Those are just some tips to look for as you're trying to figure out, is he a victim or is he actually in a healthy way trying to move through this Mm -hmm. because we know that when he is in victim mode that he is not safe that will lead to some type of emotional abuse episode right if he's in victim mode you're going to get the the blame for that so that's one way to know that he's not safe in that moment Wow, this is very enlightening. And what I love about Kathy is she's always extremely practical. And I love that because it's tools that we can actually use on a daily basis to improve our healing and to improve our lives. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We will have you on again soon. It was great to be here, Anne. I love what you do and I love the support. You can find more information on her website, which is therapyutah.org. If this podcast is helpful to you, please make a recurring monthly donation. Go to btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on the button that says make a donation today. And as always, every single one of your ratings on your podcasting apps, be that iTunes or Spotify, helps isolated women find us. So please rate this podcast today. And until next week, stay safe out there.